another episode of Foreign, Domestic and Forbidden, the podcast about books and ideas. I'm Tim Trash. I am Joaquin Lobo. And we'll be your hosts for the next hour. Joaquin, how are you? I'm I'm fine. I, I think I'm recovered from my trip. Um, it was um, kind of an interesting thing that our last episode we spoke about the World Cup and uh, I had no idea that I was going to be traveling to Qatar to watch <laughs> the final. And, no way. Uh, yeah, so now I'm back. It's like two days, three days before the final, I didn't know I was going to be in Qatar. And I remember that uh, like on the 14th or the 15th, my son approached me and said, Dad, Dad, is there a chance that one day before it's too late, we could watch Messi play somewhere? And I was like, well, you know, it's a tough one, I guess. We could probably go to uh, Paris and try to get tickets to watch him play with PSG or something like that. And just the day after, I, you know, like my son invoked some kind of demon or angel uh, these tickets just fell on our lap and it was the most amazing thing. So there was no way we could not fly to Qatar to watch the final between Argentina and France. And uh, we ended up spending a week in, in Qatar. So, you know, I'm still high over that. I think it was a an amazing, almost indescribable experience that any football fan can relate to and non-football fans can probably imagine but it was absolutely amazing so you know i'm still high on that and uh and ready for for what might come in 2023 cool yeah and uh how was qatar since you had some extra time afterwards what did you do it's a very weird place man i mean it's it's fancy it's expensive it's very ostentatious. I didn't go to the, you know, wealthy areas of town with the fancy malls because it's not my thing. I wanted to spend as much as much time as I could in the uh, bazaar in the old market, Suf Wakif, which is the, one of my favorite places in the world. My son fell in love with that place. So we spent a lot of time there drinking coffee, eating ice cream, and just walking around the shops. But the old the old city is really interesting. But you know, it's an amazing place. They have so much money. They built eight amazing uh football stadiums uh that they're not gonna use. One of them was dismantled already and sent somewhere in Africa. And the architecture in Qatar is just mind-blowing. It's such an interesting place. But I don't think I'll go back. Since this is our last episode of the year. Um, we thought we'd bring a guest back, a very, very, very awesome guest, Neev Yeya. Welcome back to the show. So good to see you. Hey, how are you? It's so nice to be back. And uh, yeah, so I was telling you, uh, this makes uh, for a wonderful ending of a very awful year. Uh, it's and One of the highlights was being in this show. Uh, and uh, so really thank you now i can claim that i am friend of the show yeah totally totally <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yes um yeah and you uh you should always come back um so so glad to have you 
Um, so we, we thought since this is the time of the year, the, the time between the years, which is oddly sort of there's no time at all, at least it was for me. Usually, um, even as a kid, it, it, those few days between Christmas and the new year always felt nobody kept really taps on you. Nobody was really interested in seeing you or, or hanging out with you after the Christmas holidays. And it was the time that you could, if you got a little money for Christmas, spend it on records, uh, hole up in your room and, and be by yourself and do whatever or go out and do whatever you wanted. And nobody really was interested in finding out what it was you were doing. And so, it is the time of the year when people think back to how was the year. Uh, and they are also looking forward to what's going to happen next year. So that's the kind of show it will be. We have a few categories today. And uh, we're going to review the year and talk about what we would like to see in 2023. Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah, again. <laughs> cool. So, um, since this is a podcast about books and ideas, let's start with the books. Um, 2022, what was your favorite book of the year? And since the book business is a bit of a slow business, I don't think it the book necessarily has to have come out in 2022, although that be great but the book that you read in 2022 that meant the most to you that wowed you that you loved that you discovered nay if you want to start us off wow you know the, this is the time of the year when i realized first of all well it's a good disclaimer the last one that you said that it doesn't have to be a book published in 2022 because i'm always so backed up with my stuff that uh, by the time I get to the years, I, I mean, to the, the book of the year, I, 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 I don't even know if I ever will manage to do that. I'm always so behind in my reading because most of the time I'm doing reading for, for what I'm writing for. So it's rarely the, the novelty stuff that, that uh, I'm reading. So I, I always get to the books late when everybody has read them and everybody has great opinions on them. <laughs> and I'm just trying not to know what what's all about. But this year, let me see. Um, one, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna commit a crime because I'm gonna say that the most uh, interesting thing that I've read this year is a book that I haven't even finished because I just got it uh, for Christmas, actually. Mm. And it's, um, and it's uh, Guerre or War from Louis Ferdinand Céline, you know, the famous uh, mm -hmm. author, very, very well known for his uh, Nazi tendencies or collaborationism oh. and, uh, and his uh, sympathy for anti-Semitic anti causes. Yes, good. That yeah. make him very a very unpalatable author, but still, I mean, when you read him, uh, in his work, his old work is always amazing and very, very. Um, I think it's a it's a it's one of the authors that I always get get uh, they they get under my skin. They are very powerful, 
Um, Journey to the End of the Night was incredible when I read it a long time ago. And now they just discovered this new manuscript and finally they pub- they started publishing them. And the first one is War that I just got as a Christmas gift. So I have only read like a hundred pages, but already I am in trance with this, with the descriptions of, of his experiences in World War One. Oh. So that will be probably my, my first choice, even though I... It's for me, it's very hard for me to say because also fiction and nonfiction for me are very difficult to compare the, what, what one gives me and what, what the other does. I didn't know anything about that book. Um, it was, it was, his, was this a book that had been lost or was, was it out of print or what happened with that book? No, apparently what happened was that, you know, he, he died in the 60s, I think 61. Right. And um, he left uh, a bunch of manuscripts and uh, they kind of disappeared. And everybody thought that they were, they had been destroyed after World War, World War II when he, he when it became clear he was a collaborator and uh, many people didn't want to hear anything more about him. But he was kind of uh, recovered. And so these manuscripts have reappeared kind of recently. I don't know who had them and gave them back to the family. And then, then this new mm-hmm. one just came out in Gallimard. Mm-hmm. Oops. It's very hard to see the books with when I, oh, here we go, there. Right. This one just came out. And I think that some, some other works of his are gonna come out. This one is, um, it's interesting because it kind of fills in the gaps of between his other work uh, of his war experiences, post-war experiences, all, all the trauma, all the, his life of, of in pain because of the of the lesions he had in in combat and all that stuff. Nave, I have two questions for you about that book. The first one is: Are you reading it in French? Yes, this one I'm reading in French. Yes, okay. I, I I don't know if it's it has come out in any other language. It just came no. out very recently. Okay. So yeah. And the second one is: How do you how do you deal with the fact that you know that this guy is someone with you know what we would call now a problematic past someone who problematic. you know is probably canceled already by a lot of people yes but well, well you know what uh, when when i i read the 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 journey to the end of the night mm-hmm. uh, when i was in in high school Mm-hmm. And I found it amazing. And at that point, I didn't even know he had a um, an anti-Semitic thing. Right. I couldn't care less. I didn't know anything about him. This was right. an author that was was talked about in class, and I was interested in him. In him. And you know, the French are very special about how they manage these things. And I think that they kind of, or, or especially in the in the eighties, nineties, I I'm convinced that they couldn't. They didn't care. They just uh, they treated the work as the work and the figure as the figure. I think that things have changed a lot. So for me, when when I learned about this other aspect of his life, I, I kind of lost interest in him. And I said, okay, this is a guy that I don't even know. And I, when I knew that there was these uh, uh, pamphlets that they were really fascistic in 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 right. its nature. Uh, I'm, but they were forbidden, so you could you could not get them. So right. there were this the, the, on one side the fascination and wanting to approach this kind of work, 
and on the other one they say why should i even care about what this guy says but when you know that this guy i mean is praised as a genius is praised as one of the biggest writers in the 20th century and um it, it, it there is this this weird uh, schizophrenia about his thing so of course i was very attracted in a way of oh i would like to see how how bad it is and right. um until it was like seven not five years seven or five years that i found a copy of um some of his more more disturbing things online on pdf so i started reading them so it was it was an interesting thing to approach and and also uh, you know when when you have when you have a, a cancellation uh, tsunami like where we're living now <laughs> i think you have to be very aware of the of, of what what you're missing i mean if you want to condemn something i i think that you have to know it yes. sometimes it's not worth it because it's bad writing but yes. sometimes when it when it comes from a great pen you should read it and and even if you're disgusted by it i mean right. i mean i don't think that everybody should do it but but i think that some of us we should yes don't don't rely on twitter to to avoid exactly uh, authors exactly that 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 would be the don't don't i mean if you want to cancel them fine that's perfect but but it's much better if you want to cancel someone that you actually has read have read and and you know what what's all about thank you knife i was i was very curious about your position on that thank you no, thank uh tim you. tim what's your book of the year yes um so um full confession i haven't actually read that many books this year <laughs> um I've I've become a very 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 slow reader. I read in very small chunks. Uh, I used to devour books and just sort of sit down and just read them in one or two sittings. Um, I don't do that anymore. So it it takes me two or three months to finish actually a book. And the one that stands out uh, in many ways is Dark Constellations by Pola Oloisharak. Um, it's um, it's a very strange book. It has three strands of narrative that um, play with one another that are somewhat intertwined. And she invents a future of technology and and of humanity that is really frightening, but she but she lays it out in, in very everyday terms with figures that we recognize from our current culture tech culture and yeah it's it, it's it's a, it's a wonderful piece of work and reminds me to some degree of william gibson's work only that she takes it into entirely different directions and um more of a of a satire at times uh also i think uh oftentimes the tone is sharper less less iconic but looking at at people how they are right now in also in in terms of gender um and yeah her voice is 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 
is really beautiful. Um, not like anything I've read in in that genre, and very very cool. So Polar Oloisharak Dark Constellations. Hmm. I want to say that um, she's part of a. I'm not going to say a new way, but she's in a generation of writers from Argentina, especially women writers from Argentina, who are getting a lot of attention because they happen to be really, really uh, terrific uh, fiction writers. And I like about Paula Alexar that uh, one of the my literary heroes from Argentina, Ricardo Piglia, who is not yeah. very well known outside of Latin America, uh, wrote very highly of uh, Paula Alexar when she was uh, uh, published, I think probably just her first or her second book many, many years ago because Piglia, Piglia died. I don't remember when, but he, di he died a while ago. But he, he did appreciate a lot uh, Paula's uh, writing. And um, uh, regarding what you said about William Gibson, I think that's a really sharp and, and beautiful um, analogy or semi-analogy because I, I see, you know, some, at least in the one book that I read by her, some some echoes of, of you know, the Gibson from the, you know, 1990s that, yes, that I, yes. I, I really, I really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but she's, it, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's this, it's a similar subject matter, and I think a, a similar searching mind trying to figure out where humanity is headed and how we want to play with technology in the future and how to make it work, how we're gonna tr gonna try to manipulate people, um, surveil people, all this. But um, William Gibson always has a little bit of a of a very conventional attitude towards gender and like even his female heroines usually end up with a guy and then everything is okay. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's this very conventional take on what makes people happy or how gender relates to mm -hmm. one another. And, and here um, it's a mix up. It's a, it's a very new take on that. And so I, uh, she she takes it forward, I think his his writing and brings it into into something else entirely. Yeah. All did right. I send you a link? Did I send you a link to something she wrote about the Argentina national team? Yes, yes, you did. I think we should put that in the in the uh -huh. show notes because I I really liked what she wrote about uh, the the uh, the soccer the football team after they won the. The World yeah, Cup. that was an amazing piece. Oh, you read it? Yes. Yes, I did. I did. I, I like it a lot. I mean, I found it by accident on Twitter, and it, I enjoyed it a lot. It was really good. Yeah. Joaquin, yeah, your pick. Um, okay, I, I'm going to... I have two books. One is a nonfiction book that I found. Uh, you know, we started the year to 2022 with the invasion of Ukraine. And uh, I was very interested in getting some background to, you know, position myself in terms of uh, something that, that that would go beyond what I was reading in in periodicals, New York Times, Washington Post, etc. And I found a book 
uh, written by Anne Applebaum, who is a, a collaborator in the Atlantic Monthly uh, mm -hmm. from 2020 called Twilight of Democracy, uh, The Seductive Lure of author Authoritarianism. And it was just like a great, great way of making sense of the conflict and not just, you know, Putin's invasion of Ukraine, but also the background of um, uh, similar situations in in Poland in particular. And I, I, I just thought it was a really, really good way of, of, of making sense, beginning to make sense for those of us who are not experts on that on that region or what's going on with that conflict. And um, and also, you know, to try to imagine possible outcomes for for that invention invasion. So um, that that led me to two other readings. I found uh, Timothy Snyder, who's also someone who's written about uh, mm -hmm. fascism. I think he published a couple of years ago um, uh, a very. Uh, small uh slender book on fascism notes on fascism or something like that inspired probably by by the trump years and uh and of course he's also a, a very well-known scholar on ukraine um that was i say my one of the my most interesting finds in terms of nonfiction. and uh fiction i think i'm going to mention quickly two of them one um Xixin Liu, someone that I that I've been reading for the past couple of years uh, with a lot of interest. Um, one a collection of sh of uh, shorter stories that I really really like called uh, "The Wandering Earth," um, and the title story was uh, adapted into a film, very, you know, huge blockbuster in China, The Wandering Air that was shown at some point in Netflix. I thought it was interesting, not, you know, the best film that I watch, uh, science fiction, but it, it was interesting. But the collection of short stories is certainly amazing. Mm -hmm. And my other, like, you know, nay, if I'm not really reading what's been published uh, this year, maybe because I don't want to pay hardcover prices, so I usually <laughs> wait for paper uh, backs uh, to to read, you know, new the new new newish fiction. Um, I I I like to mention a book by the woman, the French woman who won the the Nobel Prize mm -hmm. in Literature, Annie Ernaux, uh, and it's called The Years. Uh, mm -hmm. She's a really really beautifully written book about her uh, teenage years in 1950s, maybe. She's probably my parents' generation. Uh, she's just an amazing writer. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad that she, she got the Nobel Prize. I just also watch and film an adaptation of, one of her novels called Happening, mm. which is a brutal, really, really awful account of, of uh, um, the challenges that you had to face back in the 1950s with, when abortion was illegal in France. Really devastating. Yeah, uh, yeah. yes. Uh, just to just to comment on that one, I I, I read The Happening, L'Evenement, and I I loved it. I really, really liked it a lot. And and it, it's, uh, I saw that it's, uh, that's a movie out there, and I 
have a hard time imagining how the movie is gonna is gonna capture the, the power of the book. Um, it, you know, it it happens in uh, I think in 1961. Okay. Uh, when she's in the university and and yeah, she count she recounts all the struggles and all the dangers and the problems of having an abortion in France and uh, and she makes it such a such a a uh, disarming way i mean uh, uh, because she uses this to talk about class and about and about uh, the culture of her country in, in transition and and that the the, the, the technologies also that, that that are involved in the in the way that they handle the body and it's it is a very very good book i'm looking forward to read more of hers yeah the film is pretty good but i like i said i haven't read the book i trust your um your uh, opinion, Nave. I, I, I definitely want to read that because, of course, you know, I, I, I think that books tend to be far more complex and interesting than that films yeah. in general, not all the time, but but in general. So I will definitely make time to 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 read that. But I can just <laughs> imagine something like that going on right now, like in Texas, right? Like in places mm -hmm. where abortion has has been uh, banned. Uh, banned. Yes. So, you know, it's sort of sad that we're back in the 60s uh, yeah. in terms yeah. of uh, criminalization yeah. of abortion. Yeah, Which very fun. You provided sort of the segue into our second question, and that is your favorite movie of 2022. Neef, what did oh. you see that you really loved? You know, I saw a lot, and I feel I know I always feel that I didn't see enough, of course. But um, this is one of those years that I cannot feel that I that I had like this this one movie that I oh my the movie from for me this year is this. Um, for me, you know, I I made I made actually a list of all the stuff that I liked, but just to say the the three the three main things that I will mention, which are probably not the best movies of the year in any way, but I think that they were remarkable for me, especially for my research, for, for the work I do, because they deal with technology, they deal with the body, they deal with our expectations of, of uh, how culture is going to be impacted by, by everything that's happening in, in, in the mediosphere. And uh, it will be, number one, Crimes of the Future, the, the Cronenberg, Cronenberg new movie, which I think is uh, is a very uh, it's a great movie. It goes back to to his work from 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 the eighties, the nineties. He goes back to the body as this uh, this complex entity that he has always treated with so much fascination and and disgust. And uh, I I really really liked uh, Crimes of the Future. And then it was uh, Titanium, the do Julia Ducournau movie uh, which won can the other year so I don't really know if it belongs to the other to, to the 2022 but but actually I, I saw it in 2023 so so I counted as, as a movie from this year I really was very shocked with by that movie by the also the way it treats the, the the body and the machine and the and the technology and uh, how it becomes like a special kind of a fable. Uh, I thought it was it was fascinating, and the last one it's a beautiful movie. But this um, filmmaker, oh, the other one is Julia Ducournau. 
I don't know if I said, said her name. And the mm-hmm. last one will be after Yang, the mm-hmm. Kogunama, Kogunada, sorry, Kogunada, this director. Who I, I only have seen two of his movies. I don't know if he has more. I think he only has two films. To, um, and uh, after Yang is amazing. It's it's based on a short story by uh, what's his name? Let me just check. Wasn't it the filmmaker who wrote? Sorry, I thought it was the filmmaker who wrote the uh, the story as well. No, but... no, it's no, it's Alexander Weinstein. Oh. You know, it, it's funny because I started watching the movie and I was like, this. is this is a very familiar story. This sounds so familiar and I couldn't place it. And then I remembered I read this collection of short stories, which are actually very good. And by this author, that I only read one of his books. It's called uh, Children, Children of the New World, right. Alexander Weinstein. Hmm. Oh. Uh, find a right place to put it. because Anyway, so oh, it's terrifying. Ah, there you go. So... So the story is, is, is it comes from there. The, the, the screenplay comes from, from from one of his stories, and uh, and it's amazing. It's really really great. It talks about this uh, relationship of a little girl with with this manufacturer boy, this kind of replicant boy, who is like a companion, and uh, in in a very cool, low, no no not very hysterical way, how they describe the loss of this artificial being very very good movie i mean i will go with those three but there were some others that i think they're probably just as good or, or better but uh they are not exactly in my in my orbit but yeah. i still like them and watch them and you know them. after jang reminded me of uh, clara and the song by kasu Shiguro. yes exactly I, very was, much in the same vein also yeah, which is of- also a great novel the mode, you know, the quiet, very quiet mode of the, exactly. of the film. I mean, there is no adaptation of the novel by Ishiguro yet, but I imagine it's going to be something like that. Very quiet. Yes. Actually, with the with the um, with the after Yang already been done, they're gonna have to find some something different to show the story because that will be the tone that I will in a movie about uh, about that that book which was also one of the one of the best best novels i read this year clara and the sun yeah. i love those movies that you mentioned and i i was just so amazed with uh titan how it felt like a sequel to crash in a way you know the yes. the jg yes. Ballard adaptation of he was just a, such an interesting violent, elegant film. It was really, really good. Yes. Joaquin, what was your favorite movie? I have two very different from Naves. Um, but I, you know, I, I was just, I like, Naves, I watch a lot of film this year. But I'm the last two films I, I watched recently, and I'm still under their influence. One of them is Gonzalez Señoritos Bardo, hmm. which was just like, my like a film about me and about my life maybe that's why i connected so much as a mexican living in the u.s uh experiencing you know going back to mexico occasionally and dealing with this dual identity and the narrative the fragmented broken up way in which in every two words is just really really appealing to me he's um 
conflicts with uh, Mexican history, his uh, ambiguous relationship to to the U.S. to Southern California. I I just thought it was quite remarkable the way he did it. But I'm you know I'm a I'm a big fan of Gonzalez Iñárritu too. And the other one, you know, it's a very classic story, uh, an adaptation of Carlo Collodi's Pinocchio by by Guillermo del Toro, which to me was like an absolute tour de force in terms of the, all the technical um, work that went into making this film. And the result to me, from my perspective, was absolutely stunning and, and magnificent. So these two films made by Mexican filmmakers, I, I'm going to put at the top of my list. Cool. Very, very cool. So my my choice is is much more lowbrow than your choices. And it's a movie I actually watched last night. I was going to say, while I was going through the list, I was going to say No Time to Die, because I really love watching James Bond, but then I found mm -hmm. out that I actually watched it in 2021. It wasn't 2022. So much for my timekeeping. But last, and so 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 I went through a list of Rotten Tomato movies of 2022. They are list of movies, and I hadn't seen a single one of them. And so last night uh, I decided to watch Barbarian, which is mm. a very low budget horror movie. Yeah, I watched. Set in Detroit, it was actually filmed in Bulgaria, but uh, they had some scenes shot in Detroit to make the impression that it was set there. And it's not a great movie by by any stretch of the imagination, but it's utterly disturbing. It's the story of two young people sharing an Airbnb that was overbooked. They they gave it to two different people at the same mm -hmm. time. Uh, it's night in a very decrepit part of Detroit. Nothing else around there. It's just this one house that is still intact. And you can come up with all kinds of scenarios where this would be really creepy and, and, and horrifying. But then the movie takes off in an entirely different direction. And it's just <laughs> stunning. And it's super disturbing. Uh, I was... <laughs> I'm not easily disturbed, but after watching it, after finishing it, um, I don't know. I couldn't go to bed just then. I, <laughs> I needed to stay up a little longer and listen to a podcast and get it out of my head. So Barbarian, a really, really cool movie. And so try to, yeah, catch it. Yeah, Barbarian yeah. was up. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is great. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, also, we saw it recently. And funny because we, we just have stayed at, a, at an Airbnb in Connecticut, <laughs> completely different setting and everything. <laughs> but the house reminded us so much of the of the place where we stayed, which was a was a little little house, one floor, one level house. That, but yeah, it's it's a you know I think there that, that movie. Together with the um, oh boy, what's the name of this director who made uh, X and Peril? Yeah, that, those, mm. those uh, I think that they're guiding through to, towards new kind of horror because uh, I think that the model set up by some other recent directors 
it's kind of giving up and uh, and now there there is there's a need for new voices you know Ari Aster is, is coming out with another movie let's see what he is proposing now I think he has done already two amazing movies Hereditary and uh, Midsummer and uh, his new oh, one yeah. looks yeah good disturbing but this guy uh i don't remember the name of the zach, director of zach Krager. zach Krager is go. the writer and director yeah yes yeah and as you said made with very, with very limited budget no famous stars yeah. and uh and, and it makes its point really really well yeah i find it amazing that that we had you know we had i think we had a good years with film in general it was pretty good i i, I remember watching a lot of stuff that I liked. And these films were made during the pandemic. I think that's remarkable that people found a way to work around the pandemic and still yeah. manage to make good films from low-key films such as this one to, you know, really great films. Like, I don't know if you guys watch uh, The Northman. Like, yes. Really, really major, intense, gorgeous movies like that. Or... Yeah. All Quiet in the Western Front, an adaptation mm-hmm. of uh, yes, Ma- what's his name, Maria Remark. Oh God, that was amazing! Huge, amazing production on Netflix, I think too. Yes. Yeah, it was very yeah, that was very taken. That it's a very, very, very good movie. And they're pandemic films. I'm I'm amazed at that. That, that yeah. you know these films were made during the pandemic. Yeah, or White Lotus. Uh, in in terms yes. of in television, yeah, just going off to Hawaii and shooting there in, in isolation, in quarantine, basically. Um, yep. So number three on our list is a book by a dead author, so the author is no longer alive, and a book that nobody has known about, and you want mm. to see discovered in 2023 something you wish that that you would find uh from an author you like and admire and uh something that somebody like it was actually cool uh when you when you mentioned how celine's book was found you know something like that you know something nobody has had on their radar and suddenly whoops there it is what would Mm -hmm. you like to see you know, well, I, I will give the the, the, the same as, as my first answer. I would like to see this book, but I don't know if I dare saying, I mean, this is a, yeah, this is an unknown book and it's exactly, I think what, because I had in mind when I was answering the first question, the third one, this one. And uh, so this one kind of works for me both ways uh, because on, on a way I would like him I don't. I don't think if the rediscover would be the word. I would like him to have rediscussed, because uh, I mean, being a, being a Nazi collaborator and an anti-Semite is not a forgivable sin by by any means. It's it's a really serious thing, and it's a million times worse than many of the sins that have condemned to 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 being cancelled. Many other authors and, and artists in recent days. So I think that this that this work could be like a like a nasty test, like a like okay, let's 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 go to the extreme. Let's let's judge this this kind of work. Let's discuss this work and see if it's uh, see if the whole idea of canceling of of 
of putting labels of, of uh, censorship to works has any meaning or, or, or works in any way. So for me, this would be uh, a test to that uh, tendency, to that, um, I don't want to call it anything else, just to this current of things that are happening. You know, I am very afraid of talking like the conservatives when they when they dismiss the council culture because what they do is uh, just uh, close it's a, it's a very close-minded thing because they don't even get into the into the meaning of what's going on or what created the conditions of a, a lot of young people wanting to censor things it's important to understand what brought us here Mm-hmm. and not just dismiss it. But in, in many ways, it, it, the worst thing that we can do is to close ourselves and say, no, this is all stupid. Or yes, this is what we have to do to follow in every case. If this author was a bad person, we have to burn his books. You know, both ways, it, it, both ways are horrible. Both, both solutions are terrible. That's a great point, Eif. I I'm always afraid of being associated to people I don't want to be associated with because I happen <laughs> to have a similar, you know, reaction to something. That happens in Mexico, for instance, where any objection or criticism that I might have to to, to the president of Mexico and his attitude toward the press or towards the intellectuals and et cetera, you know, is is similar to, you know, the worst conservatives that we have in Mexico. I'm like, I don't want to be associated to those people. Or here in the U.S., I don't want to be associated to, of course, Tucker Carlson and that, you know, mm-hmm. bunch of assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, every time I say something against cancellation or every time I, you know, I have some critical reaction to fashionable, politically correct ideas, I'm like, oh, my God, am I sounding like these people? <laughs> I don't want to sound like those people. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have this, exactly the same feeling as you. It's uh, it's a scary thing to feel that you are coinciding in something with these people. It's like, why? No. no. But in many ways, they are. I mean, I'm not going to say they're right, but they, they have a point. And that point should be discussed, should be should be a matter of, of a very open debate and, and cultural criticism. I agree. Yeah. So personally, if I were to find a manuscript, let it be Shakespeare, a forgotten play, um, because then I'd be rich and I could sell it and print it and it would be beautiful. Um, But personally, what I would really, I I was thinking a long time about this, like what, what would I, would, what I, what would I want to find in some barn or like somebody else find it? Um, and and finally, I settled on a Philip Marlowe novel by Raymond hmm. Chandler. That would be really, really lovely. Uh, not an earth-shattering discovery by any means, but something that I would really appreciate of, of having another Philip Marlowe adventure some weird murder some mystery that he has to solve so that is my pick for that that i would really really appreciate hmm. oh, great that's a, yeah that, that's, that's a, a great, great point. yeah I, I wouldn't mind another marlowe mystery <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. went 
I went back to the 1800s, and the book I really would like for for someone to find would be the um, the journals, the diaries of the creature by Mary Shelley. I would like to have a sequel to Frankenstein. <laughs> and I, I would like for, for Shelley yes. to have written this long, long <laughs> book where the creature just talks about uh, himself and his life. That's and awesome. That. Yeah, oh, that would be beautiful. my choice. Because Frankenstein is one of my all-time favorites. I absolutely adore mm -hmm. that book. My son just read it this year, and I was so thrilled that, that he was talking about Frank Jr. with his friends, you know, they they call Frank Jr. the creature. Frank Jr. Yeah, Frank Jr. And, and he loved that. So, you know, if a 15-year-old loves Fra Frankenstein in 2022, something something is right about, about that book. Cool. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, for me too, uh, Frankenstein is one of my favorite books of all times. And, and, and you know, it's one of those things that I read two or three times and uh and I consulted many times and um and I never imagined when I read it and I did like it a lot but I never imagined how important it was going to become for our culture how how meaningful it's a, it's a real oracle of everything that we absolutely. have been living through absolutely to me yeah. it's one of those books that has become more pertinent than ever yes uh, right now 200 years after it was published Absolutely, absolutely. Which brings us to number four, and that's something that you see. It's a phenomenon that happens like right now everywhere in every kind of uh, realm, niche of society, but not so much, I think, in books, and that is a collaboration. Mm. What kind of book would you like to see where two famous authors collaborate to create the novel. What kind mm -hmm. of novel would you like to see and who would be the two writers you want to collaborate on that? Nayev, uh, any thoughts yeah, on well, that? That's, uh, yeah, you, you, that was a very strange uh, uh, idea that I thought it was challenging, very difficult <laughs> because at the beginning I thought, well, probably, an author and a graphic novel artist mm, mm. that would be easier to find but two cool. authors two writers so after hours of looking through my my bookshelves and thinking i went to the most to the most natural for me would be well i would love to see william gibson collaborating with someone who gives a very different perspective gibson is for me one of the is my favorite probably uh, science fiction writer I'm with Philip K. Dick, but okay, K. Dick, K. Dick is dead, so we cannot invoke him. So I thought, what about the, my other more recent favorite, which is Ted Chiang? Mm -hmm. I think it would be amazing to have Ted Chiang, which is such a thoughtful author. She he writes uh, with such a not I would not say passion. He he writes with brains, with with a method. He seems to be. Uh, uh, I, I'm sure he's not. But it seems to be somebody who, somebody who calculates every short story and all the possibilities of the technologies he's describing, and that put together with somebody who's a more much more passionate and more um, more more punk in a way, which is William Gibson, which is kind of losing his punk, but he still has it. 
so maybe those two would be my my proposal. Cool. Very, That's very Chiang cool. and William Gibson. I would love to read that. Wow. <laughs> very cool <laughs> suggestion. I love that too. That's great. I love Exhalation and by Tetra. Oh my God. One of the best collection of short stories. That should have yeah. gone on my list for, for one of my the favorite books for this year. Really yeah, yeah, but I read it last year. That's only that's my reason why I didn't put it. But yeah, definitely that will have been my favorite book. Yeah. Joaquin. Um, I thought of two women that I really like. Uh, one of them is a Korean, uh, Han Kang. Uh, mm. who, who wrote the Human Factor and uh, the White Book and um, the Vegetarian books that I really really admire. I remember that. And uh, and the Argentinian Mariana Enriquez who wrote uh, Things We Lost in the Fire that I taught a couple couple times in the in the recent past. Great collection of short stories. I would like for the two of them to write a book about the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, mm. You know, one of them is a very thoughtful, analytical, quiet, serious writer, Hong Kong, and the other one is really, really terrific at, uh, you know, hitting that horrific uh, tone in, 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 in short stories that that uh, often she sets in, in, in Buenos Aires, in Argentina. But I, I I don't know, since this is just a, a wishful thinking kind of thing, I think it would be an, an interesting result if, if we put these two two women together. Wow. Awesome. Definitely. Very, very cool. So I went sort of this, again, the horror route, and I would love Samantha Schweblin to... Mm-hmm collaborate with Mark Z. Danilewski. Schweblin, author of Fever Dream, among other books, and Mark Z. Danilewski of House of Leaves. Mm-hmm. And I think the structure of Danilewski and his really wildly spinning mind would go really, really well with the terseness and um, very, very focused mind of Schweblin. I think they would work well really, really together and create a very cool, very different style together. So that would be a cool collaboration. Yeah. Wow. That's the third woman from Argentina that we mentioned on this show. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. No, she's one of my favorites. Like I I watched the movie recently. Oh, that, that was one that came out too. Uh, that I watched. I had a hard time finding any, like I, I didn't watch that many movies. I was very much into television this year, but um, pretty good movie too. Yeah. And uh, her book, Fever Dream is really, is really amazing. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time. So we have to come to our last question. And that is sort of the real wishful thinking question. Uh, and that is, what would you like to see happen in 2023, mm. nationally or internationally? Anything that you can come up with doesn't have to be related to books or anything else. What would you like to see happening in 2023, Nayef? Oh, man. 
Oh man, I'm gonna go back to the Miss Universe uh, uh, the statement that came every year. It was like, I would like to see peace on Earth. Sweet. And and <laughs> and I'm, I I think I've never had it uh, had a more uh -huh. a more intense desire of seeing some sort of peace. But you know, uh, you know the the war in Ukraine uh, it's been devastating, horrendous. It's been a an absolute tragedy for many many in many many ways. But uh, but when we go back uh, to to what's going what's going on in Syria, in Libya, in still in Afghanistan, it's a horrendous situation. Iraq, I mean the the, the damage done by the by the war on terror, the, the destruction created by three American administrations in the in the Middle East, in in Asia. And in Africa, in in in, a re, in that region of Africa, it's uh, it's so huge. I mean, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of lives lost and destroyed, and and uh, ways of living that have been shattered forever. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely would love to have an end for the Ukrainian conflict. That I mean, because this uh, this. Uh, could mean a, a, a much bigger war, a, a war that can extend through Europe, through Europe. I mean, through Europe and and all that. Of course, is terrifying. But what has been happening already for since two thousand one, it is so sad and, and 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 horrible and cruel. And we and we haven't. I mean, it's almost funny sometimes when I see. How, what uh, what we're doing for for what the U.S. Uh, and what the West are doing for Ukrainians, even if it's worthless, because actually sending more and more and more weapons, it might give them a chance to 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 make the to, to survive, but also to make the war longer, to give more resources to to war war mongers, to war producers, war war, war builders, uh, um, armed weapons builders. I'm sorry. So all that is uh, is very very bad. But what's going on in Libya, for example, is so incredible and so out of the news. So pushed back. Uh, I just saw this other movie uh, in in Netflix that's called The Swimmers, mm -hmm. and it was completely by accident that I got to it. I don't know if you've seen it, but basically it's about this uh, Syrian uh, woman uh, who managed to to make it to Rio. To the Olympics in Rio and swim with the with the refugee Olympic team, and how well basically it's her story, her story and her sister of escaping the Syrian war in in the early years of the war when when it was awful and terrible, but 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 not as bad as now because now it's so many years after that, and so the I mean the movie it's it's uh, it's it has very good moments and very bad ones. I think it's overlong and it's uh, very corny for a subject like that has to be taken very seriously. Um, but it shows again, like, okay, this is what's going on. This is what happened. These people had to go through this and it's not over by any means. It's, it's horrible. So I would like to see, uh, to see the, 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 the war end in, in in because this is like a, a traditional war, the Ukrainian and Russian war. It's a traditional with fronts, uh, with line line fronts. Front, I mean, front, fronts of I I don't know the term in English. With, with two armies confronting each other uh, through lines of of conflict, but the others, all the other wars are war are civil wars and they're devastating. And anyway. We're in very bad shape getting into 2023. Yep.
Yeah. Joaquin. Um, very simple. I would like for Israel to end the occupation of Palestine, and I would like to see every settler expelled from the occupied territories. I would Absolutely. like to, <laughs> I would like to see Vladimir Putin assassinated by his own military. <laughs> I would like to see Trump going to a federal prison. And I would like to see Elon Musk lose everything. Every single <laughs> that he knows. Yeah. Um very good wishes. All of them I like a lot. A lot. Yeah, I would like to see everyone on this planet probably sort of parking up, looking around and going, what the fuck have we been doing? We have way bigger fish to fry and direct all defense spending toward fighting climate change. That is my wish for 2023. So between the three of us, I think we, we've solved it. <laughs> yeah, we're like a bunch of hippies, man. What's going on? Yes, very hippie. Um, Thank you so much, Nea, for coming on the show again. So lovely to see you. Oh, it's wonderful to be with you guys. Thank you so much. It's always a passionate uh, conversation. And um, I'm very grateful to have been here twice in a year. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, the music is by Springtide. It's the Coney Island Train Blues. And it comes to us via the Free Music Archive. Thanks so much for listening. And... One other wish for 2023, please come back and listen to us in the new year. So good to see you, Joaquin and Nev. Uh, have a wonderful new year. All the best to you. Feliz Same to you. Bye-bye. Feliz Año Nuevo. Gracias. Thank you.